Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Monday the 6th of March. Today, I am joined by Duncan Balkan, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there, Duncan, how are you doing today? Hi Peter, I'm very well, thank you, how are you? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, So, today, what uh, would you like to talk about? Today, indeed, well, yeah, well, for starters, there's an absolute wealth of stuff in this in this edition so it's quite difficult to pick but i picked a story originally from the guardian yeah um and the story is simply i mean it does exactly what it says on the tin the story is called five reasons why john lewis and waitrose are having a tough year yeah um, <clears throat> which i mean you can probably guess what that's all about mm-hmm. um obviously the partnership john lewis partnership have been going through a pretty rough time um it says tough year. I would say it's probably near 18 months, two years, isn't it? They've been having a, a pretty rough time. Yeah. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Sorry. The article breaks it down, obviously, into five. Uh, I'm going to storm through four of them and then concentrate on the one that I'm interesting. Yeah. Um, so it talks about financial woes and, obviously, sales going down, a cost of living crunch. It talks about on, uh, online sales going down following the boom over the pandemic. Uh, it talks about the fact that M&S and Dunelm and Ikea are getting better at some of the same things, mm-hmm. so competition's higher. And then it talks about stalled strategy, stalled strategy which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting. Um, and it's something I think we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those that know, the current chair of the John Lewis Partnership is Dame Sharon White, who, mm-hmm. I mean, she has a fantastic reputation um, in a lot of areas. Uh, one of them, however, or none of those areas, shall I say, are retail. Mm. Um, so she's been like, the head of Ofcom. Um, she was a permanent secretary of the Treasury for a while. Um, so she, I mean, she has got like stellar credentials, mm. just not in retail. Mm. So I mean, she's done she's done some things. She's kind of taken off some, I guess, what you could low hanging fruit. She made got got some easy wins by closing underperforming stores and mm. and things like that. But then she's kind of done some weird things as well like taking the company into we we the reason we were talking about this before actually was because they were looking at moving into real real estate mm-hmm. um which we both thought was a bit bizarre um and the problem both the things they're both interesting like it's another way of making money it's a way of minimizing losses but for me there's no kind of strategy or plan in place for mm. how to get the company be- better at its core business which is mm. the retail mm. um so until kind of there is some sort of plan in place for how to improve the retail kind of um, offering and and profits of the partnership, mm. I, I just don't see how they can go forwards. Mm. I think sideways at best, backwards probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but without that kind of drive towards their core business, I don't see how the partnership I- improves, particularly while, like I said, there's competition from other companies that are mm. starting to tread on more and more toes of because let's be honest the partnership between john lewis and ray wages has a lot of toes but a lot of them are now being trodden on by 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 the companies that are starting to do really well at them mm. and i think it's really important that i mean i'm not sure whether the answer is kind of getting someone new in or whether it's keeping her but appointing some other people kind of underneath her that are specialists in some of the areas mm. like john lewis has a lot of department stores mm. but there's no one really there with the experience to improve the performance of the department stores mm. And I think until they get something, someone or some people, maybe a team of people with the right sort of proper retail experience, I, I, like I, said, I don't see how they go anywhere other than backwards or, like I said, sideways at best. Mm. Um, mm. So for a lot of a lot 
of the kind of last, I think it's about 18 months since we last talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of that time, they've been using the kind of excuse that she's new and she's still finding her feet. But for me, that excuse is kind of well past its sell by date. Past yeah. Its slightly retail pun there. Um, and, uh, and I it's see what just, you did there. I know, right? I was, uh, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite sharp for a moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I just said, that I just feel like they need someone with with the right experience um, mm. on on the on the core business. So yeah, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think that um, you know, she uh, Dame uh, Dame Sharon does have a, a, an amazing background. Um, I was surprised that she, you know, just was was the one that was selected to lead um, John Lewis, the John Lewis partnership into this what was going to be a very difficult period you know difficult time um it may well be that she was chosen because she didn't have the retail background and that she her experience or you know her decisions would not be clouded by any kind of pre-existing um uh, concept uh, you know conceptions or you know perceptions so i think that um she's as you said i think she's talked she's taken the low, low hanging fruit I mean, this sounds like a terrible thing to say, and I'm just saying this is a, a, to be just very blunt and brutal, is that I imagine that her cutting the store portfolio has been very much assisted by COVID because yeah. she can blame all the stuff on COVID and say, well, it's because of that. And we've decided that this, you know, and I would have thought that that could have ex- potentially accelerated closures that were going to work probably going to occur anyway um so i think the i I think that she's done that she's got she yeah she's done that she's like i say talks around the periphery with with uh you know as you were saying about the um you know going into real estate and things but i've said this all along is that she's done she as far as i can see she's really come up with zip um on the on the actual core business you know the waitrose the super you know the waitrose supermarkets i mean we saw was it a token gesture whenever it was last week or the week before when they were cutting the prices of you know some of the basic um uh, you know uh, uh, products in in there but it was way smaller than the um price matching and things that you're seeing at other supermarkets as well mm. you know i just think that they i just think there's there's they've done everything now apart from do something with the fundamental business. Now, I mean, again, this sounds brutal, but I think she needs to be booted um, and get someone in who has got retail experience now, because this is, this is getting, so she's done this. She's done. She's come in. She's had a a fresh pair of eyes. She's done the, she's done the clear out and the, sort of easy you know this the, the easy stuff well it's not easy but you yeah know, quote, quote the, unquote easy. yeah yeah <laughs> so the, the, you know she's done that stuff now i think a retailer needs to come in i mean i'm i'm suggesting you know why don't you get someone like uh, by the way i'm not related this is just pure speculation uh on my part but you know why not get sir Stuart rose to come in i mean Stuart rose you need i reckon you need someone who who's ex m&s um yeah. because um they are the most similar to um, to Waitrose in the sense that they've got food, they've got non-food, and they happen to be in the premium, well, sort premium-ish end of the market. You know, and so Stuart Rose, he has a very good reputation. 
Um, he guided MS through some, you know, some some decent um, years. Um, and uh, he's even at the moment, he's the chairman of um, of Asda. So I would suggest that someone, why not have someone like him, get him in as chairman. You know, he can then get people in who who are, re- you know, have more of a retail background in. He can oversee it all. And then, you know, things can potentially happen for, um, you know, for waitress. I mean, why why not do that? Because... Um, you know, if you've got if you've got uh, M&S have have taken Ocado, well, they've not really taken Ocado away from Waitrose. But if you see what I mean, it's like you know, Ocado goes to Waitrose. So why doesn't Waitrose nick something back from um, you know from from uh, from M&S? Like I say, it's not <laughs> it's not quite like that, but it's sort of like that. Um, you know, and I I would say get someone who you know get someone who's done. Um, a, uh, you know, department stores. Maybe, maybe you don't want someone from House of Fraser because that's like a, you know, that's like a lesson on how not to do do uh, department stores. <laughs> um, and then, and then someone to, you know, someone to do food, someone to do food. You know, maybe, maybe get someone from Ocado. You know, get someone from Ocado um, to, uh, you know, to rejig your online, um, you know, your, your online offering, etc. Um, I think that's you know, why not do that? So I think that would make life quite interesting. But at the moment, I think they are doing nothing, um, mm. nothing of worth in the core business. And it's the core business that needs the most surgery, um, you, you know, especially uh, uh, especially now. And I think that you can perform deep surgery on a company like this at this time in the economic cycle because, and again, sorry to be blunt, but you can... Um, you know, you can you can blame it on all the external economic factors. You know, you can yeah. say, "Oh, look, was yeah, got to cut this. I'm really sorry, but it's due to this." And you can do that, but you know, ultimately, if if nothing, if it carries on as it is at the moment, I mean, I think it's you know, it's it's terminal. Um, okay, well, you know, I don't think it will be soon, but they're just not doing enough for the central business. So they need to do something, I think. And at the moment, it doesn't look like like that's really happening. Mm. So yeah, like said, otherwise, like, otherwise that eighteen to months to two years is going to turn into a very long, painful, slow demise. I think. Yes, yes. And it's just not going to be pretty to watch for, yeah. for anyone, really. Because I mean, for a lot of people, John Lewis is a, a, a big kind of iconic brand. Yeah. I mean, there was one in I'm peterborough based and there was one mm-hmm. in our main shopping center for years and years and years i remember it from when i was a teenager mm-hmm. which was longer ago than i care to admit mm-hmm. and it, it recently went and people still saying oh yeah i'm gonna go to queensgate to go to john lewis and you have to go well you can but it's not there mm-hmm. uh, it's, you can go and play uh, adventure golf instead mm-hmm. if you want because that's what's now there um yeah. but yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, it'll be sad to see the the company go down. But yeah, like I said, at the moment, sideways is is best the best case scenario, I think. So, mm, mm. so yeah, that that was what I found most interesting um, in Watson's Daily. So, Peter, yeah. uh, what was your favourite story? Yeah. So, um, oh, and by actually, I'll just add uh, an extra thing. So, if if you took Dame uh, Sharon out. She yes. could probably go back into utilities into some sort of off gen or something, because yes. actually. 
they could do with some, they could do with someone new as well. Mm. Uh, and she could then say that she's you know not only done it before, but now she's got experience of more experience of the, of the private sector as well. But anyway, anyway. Um, sorry, yes, uh, right. So let's get back to it. so this. Um, so yes, I decided to pick the story today from the Financial Times about um, U.S. listed tech companies facing uh, face cash crunch after burning through billions from IPOs. So. Um, this is a very interesting article, and it's talking about um, how essentially flaky uh, loads of. I know I'm being very blunt today. I'm very sorry about that. So I hope people aren't offended by my bluntness. Um, but um, yeah, they uh, it's talking about how flaky a lot of the growth tech companies have been that have floated in the last few years. Um, I mean, it it really is quite shocking. I think um, that so there's 150 tech companies have raised at least $100 million um, per company, this is, yeah. um, in 2020 and 2021. But now most of their IPO valuations are underwater, i.e. they <laughs> are below what they floated at. Right? Yeah. So, um, so this is bad, <laughs> I think. Um, this shows how much froth there was in the sector. Um I think that uh, that you know uh, the U.S. Uh, you know New York is seen as a very very good market to go to if you are a tech company because supposedly um, American investors understand techs, uh, tech more than say counterpart you know investors in London etc. Which I think is not true. Um, I think it just is that in London perhaps. Um, investors may be more risk averse versus their uh, versus their American counterparts, um, and therefore, you know, that's why a lot of the tech companies will prefer to go to New York because if you're going to raise money, you want the highest valuation, and there are more tech investors over there than there are over here. Right. So, um, but I do think that it's. Uh, you know, I mean, one one example, for instance, um, I, I think is uh, Kazoo, for instance. Um, yeah. You know, that has that. I remember the, the the founder of that, Alex Chesterman, was quite uh, quite snide. Uh, I you're quite um, not snide, but just you know, was very condescending about the UK market and why you know the reasons for going to um, float Kazoo um, via. Uh, uh, you know, float kazoo in America and saying that, you know, UK investors don't understand and blah, blah, blah. Well, I hope he's, you know, enjoying his humble pie at the moment because kazoo's an apps going down the toilet. Um, and I think that the reason is, is because it didn't have a proper uh, path to growth, you know. Yeah. And I think that what I think really that the, the, the need here, the need here, and I think this is this is the trend that's going to happen now because there's been so many failures or disappointment, disappointing performances from these companies is that investors are going to actually have to take a bit more notice of how the comp well, what the companies are doing, how they're doing it, and that you know how they're going to actually make money. I mean, this goes to the heart of every company. To understand how a company works, you must understand how it makes money. And I think that, you know, sometimes you, you're in a cycle, the economic cycle, where 
people just kind of see everything going up and they're like, well, I don't really understand it, but you know, it's going up. So I'll just jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> um, I mean, this, this now they really are going to, I think they're going to be much more inclined to see wh- how exactly, you know, where is the path to growth? And we don't want a path to growth in five, 10 years. We want a path of growth to next, you know, one, two, three years, um, yeah. or at least, at least positive progress towards something like that um so anyway i think that um uh, you know there's been loads of hype everyone goes on about you know tech investors being more understanding things i think that's just code for you know there are more people a bit more relaxed about chucking their money around um i mean you know and they they do that um more over there than than in london you know arguably um and and so that's why they they all go you know they all go over there but um you know and that's why another reason why i presume that um arm for, i mean i know we're not talking about arm but you know arm is it looks like it's going to list in new york and not london because i guess you know if you're looking this at this from a purely from a company point of view you're thinking i want the most money possible yeah um you go there it is a no-brainer. You will get a higher rating there. This is why you've got um, over the last year or two, although not now because obviously there's been, um, you know, crackdown on it um, in China, being a tech crackdown. But there was a period where Chinese companies um, who were looking to change their listing from New York were, you know, or just tech companies, you know, Chinese tech companies were encouraged to go to Hong Kong because... They might get a higher rating. The valuation might be higher. And if that happens, it means that you raise more money um, in the actual IPO itself. Mm. But uh, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's it's very um, it's it, there's a lot of change going on, I think, in, in the tech sector at the moment. Uh, but what, what do you think? <clears throat> Definitely. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I think um, skipping back a bit to, to one of the things you said there, I think the, the idea that British investors were less clued up. It's borderline offensive, so we'll skip over mm. that fairly quickly. But actually, then you look at it and go, well, are they less clued up? Because for the for the most part, with all the hype around these IPOs, a lot of these companies have been listing and kind of are on day one doing way better than expected. Mm. So investors have ended up poning up probably more money than they're expecting to start with, only to watch the value drop dramatically over the next mm. couple of days. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if there's no kind of conversation that can happen in terms of, well, when are you going to break even? When are you going to make money? Um, for a lot of investors, that's a lot of money, like I said, put up and not really knowing when you're getting it back and definitely mm. when you're going to make profit on it. Mm. So you can call it less clued up. I would call it more conscientious. Mm. <laughs> but then again, I'm biased because I'm British. So what yeah. do you do? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm biased. Yeah. Uh, but but I think... for a lot of investors, this is going to be like you said, because of that pattern of things listing higher than expected and then dropping off dramatically, mm. it, it's going to be a lot more difficult to convince someone to invest, isn't it, I think, in, mm. in this sort of company, particularly when if you invested in a known quantity, a, mm. an established tech company, generally you're still making money off that investment. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and I would also point out, though, there was a very interesting point that was made out, made in this uh you know that was made was made in this and it referred to um a p- possible trend so for it specifically at private equity firm toma bravo mm. um and it was saying how 
this private equity firm, but others have done this. They don't go in on the in the IPO. They wait until the tech stock goes down. Then they come in, buy it cheap, sort of cheap in inverted commas. And mm-hmm. then um, the idea is then they buy other perhaps uh, complementary assets. And then the idea may be to ultimately, so you're buying at bargain, oh, say bargain, relative bargain basement prices. You put them together. So you're trying to create some value perhaps. Mm. And then you can, a few years down the line, you can then float a much better and more attractive entity. Yeah. And I think that you can do that. I mean, you know, a lot of these private equity firms have got a lot of money knocking around. So they are one of the only ones that can do this. And it is also interesting that I remember talking about this, like, I don't know, it must be a year or so ago, about how there is a trend that um, private equity firms are now looking more like conglomerates. Because yeah. what, what's happening is is they've got all this money and they're going shopping for all these different firms, but they're all all over the place. Because, yeah. you know, whereas normally, generally speaking, you have private equity will have a focus in certain areas, you know, into either geography or, or and or industries. Um, but over the last few years, we've seen they've they've had a load of money. So they've bought they've really spread the kind of you know what assets they've bought um over different sectors so like you say they've they've almost become conglomerates and i think what this is suggesting this article seems to be suggesting is that you're almost going one step beyond that whereby okay you think right well i've got all these companies now how can i best put them together and then you know and then sell you know then sell them on as a as a better more compelling package than they were when they're on their own maybe a bit like uh auditioning the spice girls right yeah because I mean, they're all they're all you know they've all had their uh you know respective individual careers but together they're the spice girls exactly. so maybe this is the same <laughs> thing this is well, i mean, I, mean, I, like I, said, that... I mean it's as 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 investing goes that is actually also a fairly safe bet isn't it as, as close as you can get to a safe bet because of um, like I said, you're getting them for a, a, a bargain. Again, it quote unquote yeah. <laughs> a bargain. Yeah. Uh, and you'd imagine that once that initial dip's happened, if you if you pair these coming up these stocks up well, it will do well over time. Mm. But like I said, you need a, a, a big bank balance to go shopping with to do it. So, but a lot of those private equity firms have that. Mm. So for me, that's that would be a really, I think, a really good way of doing it for people that want to invest in future. But obviously, like I said, you got you just got to have that. Mm. amount of capital to play with haven't you mm, definitely so yeah so anyway i think uh well this is going to run and run we'll see more of this obviously but yeah. um i think that the the good the good old days of just being saying i'm a tech company i mean this is the classic i'm a tech company i do ai who wants to invest in me um i mean that actually maybe that there will still will be more mileage out of that because because it's ai but anything other than that um it you know they or even they might even look even if you are ai to look more about your path to profitability rather than <laughs> your path to growth but uh but anyway but there we go um so yes um thank you very i think we'd better stop there but you know thank you very much indeed uh duncan for your <laughs> insight and thoughts today Thanks for having me.
no problem and um thank you very much for listeners for listening um hope you have a great day whatever you're up to and um we'll be back again uh tomorrow many thanks thanks a lot peter bye